This week, in honor of Dr. Seuss's birthday, we will be starting with a tribute to Dr. Seuss. We will then veer towards talking about the basic and universal psychological needs of agency, autonomy, and mastery. Basically, being the boss of your own life. Want to know what this has to do with our relationship to food and our bodies? Keep listening. Welcome back to Health Bite, my podcast where I offer you small, actionable bites towards healthy weight and weight management through greater mental, emotional, and physical well-being. I wholeheartedly believe that our relationship with food is a window into our relationship with ourselves. Understanding this relationship will not only facilitate healthy weight and weight management, but will have rippling effects that impact every aspect of your life. In the nearly two decades that I've worked as an obesity medicine specialist, I have seen firsthand the life-changing effects of this transformative work, and I'm so excited to share my insights with you. I'm your host, Dr. Adrian Udine, and I created this podcast as an alternative to the noise to offer you knowledge-based guidance in the areas of nutrition, fitness, habit change, and mindset that I use with my patients in my medical practice every single day to help them achieve healthy weight, and health. More episodes are available at dradrianudim.com slash podcast. And while you're there, sign up for my newsletter and shoot me an email. I'd love to hear about your journey. Okay, here we go. Let's dig in to this week's episode. This past week was Dr. Seuss's birthday, and I was reminded of my all-time favorite book, not just of Dr. Seuss, but my favorite book in general, oh, the places you'll go. And in particular of this, my favorite quote, you have brains in your head, you have feet in your shoes. You can steer yourself any direction you choose. You're on your own and you know what you know, and you are the one who'll decide where to go. I absolutely love this quote because to me, It represents autonomy, it represents agency, it represents mastery, values that are really important to me personally, and as it turns out, really important to our psychological and emotional well-being. Agency is the sense that things don't just happen to us, rather we are in the driver's seat of our own lives. It's very related to this concept of environmental mastery which is a key determinant of psychological well-being. So they are there are these studies and these scales that measure various uh, psychological concepts and have kind of scored them to see which ones are truly de- uh, important to our wellness, to our well-being. And mastery is a key determinant as defined by these scales. Environmental mastery is defined as the degree to which we feel we have the resources, the competency to regulate our environment and to cope with difficult circumstances. Basically having what it takes to deal with what life gives us. And I want to point out that resources to me don't mean external resources like time, money, Resources mean our internal resources. 
It is our internal bandwidth. It is that knowing that we have inherently what it takes the internal resources and the constitution to navigate what comes up for us in our lives. And this, by the way, is a belief and a skill that can be cultivated. So I don't want anyone out there rolling their eyes and saying, this does not apply to me. This is something that can be cultivated and created. And this is a bigger topic and perhaps one that I'll tackle in another podcast maybe even next week. <laughs> Let's see. In a similar vein, autonomy is also a determinant of psychological well-being. And this encapsulates a feeling of choice and of living in aligned or incongruence with our personal values and convictions. So again, autonomy is having choice and specifically having that ability to make the choices that allow us to live in a way that is aligned or in congruence with our personal values. These concepts represent basic psychological needs. And as I have said repeatedly on this podcast, in my book, and on my TED Talk, our hunger represents our basic emotional, spiritual, and psychological needs, which when left unmet, prompt us to soothe with alcohol, smoking, drugs, sex, shopping, and of course, with food. More on that a little bit later. So these psychological needs are necessary for growth and well-being. And it makes sense, right? We need to feel that we're in charge of our own selves, that we're in charge of our own bodies and in charge of our own lives. When we feel autonomous, we feel that we have the resources we need to live our lives in a way we believe we can and we should. When we have the hope and the belief that our needs, motivations, desires can be aligned with our actions. And it has been shown that autonomy, again, is a key domain. It's a key determinant of psychological well-being, meaning to have this belief that we're in control of what happens in our lives allows us to feel emotionally, mentally, and spiritually well. Now, I use that word control with a little bit of hesitation. And it's important to say this. This does not mean that we can control all the outcomes. It does not mean that we can get what we want when we want. It means that we have the capacity to be with what is, to surrender to what is, and yet to know that we have agency, that what we do and the choices that we make matter in our lives. And I can understand how this may seem elusive, like neither here nor there, kind of somewhere gray and in the middle. And that's because it is. It is gray and in the middle. It is middle ground. And it requires a sense of balance and trust that we can manage this gray middle ground. We can hold these things together, a sense of agency, autonomy, and mastery, and a sense of 
surrender, of giving up control, of equanimity, and being with what is. Now that, again, is very different from a sense of lack of autonomy. Lack of autonomy or feeling that we don't have the resources, the choice, the wherewithal. This, on the other hand, has been associated with feelings of helplessness, feeling alienated, feelings of low personal accomplishment, feelings of depression and hopelessness, and a feeling of burnout, something that has been talked about widely in the last few years during the pandemic, now after, if we are after the pandemic, this feeling of burnout, right? Hi friends, it's Dr. Adrian, and I'm dropping into your podcast to offer a love letter to you. I believe that our hunger represents our unmet emotional and spiritual needs. And by leaning in and listening to our hunger, we have an opportunity to hear our needs and to respond. I know this not only from personal experience, but from listening to the stories of hundreds, if not thousands of patients over the past almost 20 years. I have compiled these stories, including my own, into Hungry for More, Stories and Science to Inspire Weight Loss from the Inside Out. This book is not just about weight loss, but about life and contains lessons that I know to be life-changing. If you don't believe me, head over to my website at dradrianudeem.com where you can obtain a free sample or to amazon.com and check out the reviews for yourself. And so it may not be surprising to you, but believe it or not, studies have shown not only is lack of autonomy associated with all of these emotional, mental, psychological symptoms, but it's also correlated with physical illness. And this is straight out of my book, Hungry for More. So if you're interested in learning, reading more about this, I encourage you to take a look at the book. Specifically, this is out of the chapter, Hungry for Autonomy. So there's a series of really interesting studies that are done by a researcher named Dr. Marmont. And I'm probably pronouncing that wrong, so sorry, but Dr. Marmont, who was commissioned by the British government to study the British civil service and to help determine the social determinants of health. In fact, he initially was commissioned because there was a understanding that there was a higher rate of death as well as deaths by suicide in people who worked in the lower ranks. And so Dr. Marmont was commissioned to determine what the voluntary or suicides were about, but then also went on to study determinants of health. So are there organic causes of death that occur in people who are living in or working in lower classes. And so in a series of studies he called the Whitehall Studies, he showed that there was an association between employee rank and mortality, such that those who were in the lower ranks, like doorkeepers and messengers, had three times higher mortality than those highest ranked employees. So people who were kind of in areas of power. Now, one may think that this disparity is associated with a prevalence of risk factors in the lower ranks. For example, maybe lower ranked individuals had more poverty, more obesity, more smoking, 
lesser access to social support or medical care. And that was the link to higher organic causes of death. In this case, uh, cardiovascular mortality and all cause mortality. However, he showed that even after controlling for all of these risk factors, for all these variables, the lower ranked employees still suffered twice the cardiovascular mortality as those in the highest ranks. He showed in a second set of studies that rank was an important determinant of health, even after controlling for the effect of income, education, risk factors on health. And he coined this term status syndrome, suggesting that there was a benefit of one's sense of being in control of one's life. In essence, having autonomy or lack thereof was detrimental to one's health. Now, it's interesting that it wasn't just a matter of rank. So he didn't just show that rank was associated with mortality, but that how people were treated within the ranks, or if they felt that they had a sense of autonomy in their work. And in this particular study, he looked at tax collectors, showed that those tax collectors who actually had the opportunity to engage with their work, make changes in their workflow, make suggestions about how the work should be done, had higher health scores and less mortality than those workers who were working in a setting in which they had no autonomy, they had no say in how they could do or how they were to execute their work. So this really points towards not the social determinant or the rank per se or the status or the income of the individual, but again, their sense of autonomy. And that's why I said earlier that this bandwidth, this resource is not external. It is an internal sense of agency, of aptitude, of, in essence, control, not over the outside, but control over what is within. So how can we apply this idea to our health and even to our weight? Now, I want to pause here again and say there's so much that we cannot control. We cannot control our genetics. We cannot control the families we were born into, the trauma that was passed down, the fact that we've experienced and are experiencing a fallout of a pandemic, something that has radically changed our lives and the way in which we live. We cannot control natural disasters, economic downturn, and catastrophic world events. As I say this, we are experiencing all of this on a global stage and just in the past month alone. And on a personal level, even the most supported and resourceful people on the planet still experience adversity and uncertainty. They experience illness, loss of a job, loss of income, death of loved ones, changes in relationships. So suffice it to say that there is so much that we are not in control of. However, we do have mastery. Unlike control, which is a futile defense mechanism, we have mastery. And there's an important distinction between mastery and control. Mastery does not mean control, but rather the fortitude to meet whatever challenge comes our way. I know we already kind of talked about this, 
but it stands repeating because it is the knowing that we can withstand unexpected circumstances no matter how difficult that gives us the sense of mastery. Inherent in mastery is the willingness to accept an outcome even when, especially when, it is not what we have hoped for. So mastery assumes within it a degree of surrender, knowing that we can't bend life circumstances to our will and accepting that our best laid plans can be circumvented by life's unexpected unfoldings. But surrendering to what we cannot control allows us to direct our attention towards what we can control. And here is where agency comes in. We have choice. We have choice in the way in which we live our lives. We have choice in how we treat our bodies. We have choice in the words that we use towards ourselves. We have choice in how we nourish ourselves with food and by other means. We have choice in how we respond to life's circumstances. And in the end, that choice is so much more powerful than the notion of control. So I want to end with this exercise. As you know, I am a huge proponent of journaling and writing, and it is something that I do regularly and have done since I was six years old for my own mental and emotional health and well-being and for sorting out and processing what comes up in life and in my head. So I want you to engage in this exercise. Take out a piece of paper and write down a list of things that you wish to change in your life. This list can be as extensive as you would like and may include big things like repairing relationships with people in your life, with yourself, with food, or it can be seemingly smaller things like creating some more order in your life by eliminating clutter or organizing your closet. Now, from this list, pick the one that you have the bandwidth to tackle right now and write down the things that you can control. Write down the things that you can do to make this situation more to your liking. What steps can you take to create a better relationship with your partner? Maybe you find ways to regulate your emotions when you're angry, like give yourself a timeout, do a breathing practice, or go for a walk before opening your mouth. What steps can you take to create a better relationship with food in your body? Maybe notice the words that you use to talk to yourself, to describe your body. Would you say that to your daughter, to your best friend, or to a stranger? Do you set the necessary boundaries to create the time needed to care for yourself, to cook, to sleep, to move your body. And before you jump in with, I have no time, I want you to question that. Do you really have no time? Really? Is there really no space or room to do this work? Maybe you have unrealistic expectations of yourself. Can you meet yourself where you're at? Can you commit to one meal a week where you ditch ordering in for a wholesome meal that you prepare for yourself? Can you commit to 10 minutes of daily walking, moving, or exercising? Not 60, not joining a gym, 10 minutes. Small bites like these build a sense of agency, 
They build a sense of mastery and open the door to a world of autonomy that is just the tip of the iceberg. I hope you found these concepts empowering. I know I do. And if you're hungry for more, I encourage you to head over to my website where you can take a look at the journaling guide that I've put together with questions that will prompt you to dig a bit deeper into these concepts. And if you're not ready to do this work yet for yourself, but want to learn about how I and others have done this work, read the stories in my book, Hungry for More. As always, I'm here to support you. So feel free to send me a message while you're there. Take good care and I'll see you again right here next week on Health Bite.